Welcome to Agriculture In-Depth, presented by Kimball Livestock Exchange and Sioux Nation in Fort Pier. I'm DRG Media Group News and Farm Director Jody Heemstra. My guest today is National Weather Service Warning Coordination Meteorologist Kelly Sir. We'll hear from her after this. Cattlemen, when you're looking to buy and sell cattle, look no further than Kimball Livestock Exchange in Kimball, South Dakota. At Kimball Livestock Exchange, you'll find cattlemen working for cattlemen with a sale every Tuesday. If you can't make it to the barn, you can watch the sale live on Cattle USA. Visit KimballLivestockExchange.com to view upcoming sale information. For more sale information or to consign, call the barn at 605-778-6211, chat at 605-870-0697, or wade at 605-730-1801. Warning Coordination Meteorologist Kelly Sir is with the National Weather Service office in Aberdeen. She says the storm system that hit much of eastern South Dakota May 12, 2022, was an extremely destructive storm system. So we have a specific term that we use when straight line wind events track a long distance and produce a continued path of very strong winds. Uh, and the term we use for that is called a derecho. And there's actually some very specific criteria that the storm has to meet for it to gain that definition. Uh, we actually have to have the, the wind damage swath that extends for over 250 miles at a minimum. Um, wind gusts o- overall 58 miles per hour or greater uh, with, with areas that exceed 75, 76 miles an hour um, all the way along that line. So it's kind of some very specific criteria in order to to get the term derecho, uh, but this particular system met all three of those. When the National Weather Service is going out and doing an evaluation, uh, you know, especially on a massive storm system, how do you go about doing that? Is Do you rely on radar images to look back? Is it crews on the ground in person at these sites? Is it a combination of gathering some information and kind of noting what happened and where? How, how does that, how do you come up with the preliminary evaluations? We do send out damage survey teams um, when we know we have um, tornadic damage. And the whole idea is to make sure we document it. We get a a path length and a path width, and then we assign a wind speed. And the only way to assign wind speeds after tornadoes or or even straight line wind events really is to actually look at damage. Um, Radar gives us a lot of clues, but it's not perfect. And in many of the many of these cases were were sampling much, much higher above the ground. And so to know what actually went on at the ground, at the site, you have to go visibly see it. And then um, we're able to compare that to to damage from other events. We have a big database of events from across the country, and so we compare similar damage and we're able to assign a wind speed um, based on that. But as far as knowing where to go, we are always in communication with our local emergency management and law enforcement officers, and they have been amazingly helpful. Communication has has been so great between all of the agencies, um, and really they're able to tell us, you know, the, the different locations or take us around to the locations that had the most severe damage. We weren't able to get everywhere. Um, we had three crews out <laughs> the day after as soon as we could, and there's still a lot of places we weren't able to assess. And so now we will still um, take a look at other locations that perhaps could have been 
tornadic versus straight line wind, and we'll do our best to document um, um, everything that did occur. Until this system, when many of us here in, in South Dakota heard the term derecho, we thought about the destruction in Iowa a year or so ago. As far as derechos go in size, again, preliminary information, are, are they always this big? Are they usually this big? Or is it impossible to say usually when we're talking about weather? <laughs> well, it is impossible to say usually when we're talking about weather. <laughs> One particularly significant statistic that was noted very quickly after the storm is just the amount of severe wind gusts that were reported as the event occurred. Um, since since 2004, there's only been one other derecho event that has had more wind gusts, severe wind gust reports than what we saw with this event that came across our area. In fact, it actually had more wind reports than the, the derecho um, that went across Iowa back in 2020. So, you know, tough to compare apples to apples, and it, it depends upon the areas, you know, where they're tracking and, and those reports you get. But overall, preliminarily, it, it certainly is a very significant event. And again, at this stage, it's still very early, still, as you mentioned, you know, still areas needed to get to. This is preliminary data, preliminary information, just kind of giving us a broad overview of, of the size and, and scope of that particular May 12, 2022 storm. Just out of curiosity, and before I let you go, uh, wind gust speeds, uh, what are some of the just gusts and locations that have been reported to the National Weather Service to this point to maybe help give folks an idea uh, you know, of, of what it was like in those conditions? When we look at automated systems, so this has no influence, we, we oftentimes will talk to people and ask them, you know, can you estimate how strong do you think the wind was? And of course, we're humans and we all <laughs> perceive things a little bit differently, but we have automated systems that you know, there's no subjectivity to it. And we have automated systems. We had one that was near Lake Cochrane that recorded over 102 miles per hour. Um, another one actually in the Gary, South Dakota area, that was um, a private person who had a weather station that recorded 103 miles per hour. Uh, and then you kind of just go from there. All of really um, Hamlin, Duell, Coddington, um, up through Grant and Roberts County, we had reports of 80 to widespread, really, uh, 80 to 90 miles per hour, several different automated systems documenting those type of wind speeds. Can we give it a size yet? Do we know how wide, approximately how long this this particular system was? We haven't um, done, you know, exactly how wide, how far, how much area it covered quite yet, uh, but it did start in Nebraska and it tracked all the way up across eastern South Dakota, uh, all the way from from the south end to the north end, uh, and continued into parts of North Dakota and Minnesota as well. So it was um, it was a very impressive system, and there is widespread damage all the way along the path. Well, let's uh, start talking kind of about individual pieces and and parts to it. Uh, the preliminary evaluation says seven tornadoes. Let's talk about 
each of those and kind of the, the wind and the strength and and where they were. Um, we'll just start with uh, Tornado One. I think uh, Castlewood really caught a lot of headlines as far as the extreme amount of damage in that little town. Yeah, and it, it's you know it's good to note that this whole system started down in the Sioux Falls area. Well, it started in Nebraska, actually, and then moved up through Sioux Falls. And they had a really impressive line of dust that was in, that was developed and tracked along this line of storms. Um, and so that garnered a lot of attention as well. And then as it kind of rotated and got into our area, which we cover all of uh, northeast South Dakota and a couple counties in west central Minnesota too, it started to become a little bit more of a tornado producer. So along with the straight line winds, we got these brief tornado spin-ups. They didn't last long, but they were very, very impactful. Um, and, and so then we did document for our particular area seven tornadoes. Um, there were additional tornadoes documented in other parts of West Central Minnesota and North Dakota as well. Um, but yeah, to start with Castlewood, um, the the town itself, we, we talked to people when we were doing our damage survey, and um, a lot of people said they saw, they saw a funnel, but they saw a funnel quickly develop very fast. They, they saw it briefly, and then it became something really large and intense really, really quickly, and it tracked north to south, or excuse me, south to north all the way across the town. And really, the most intense damage was almost limited to one single block um, of, of the town of Castlewood. Of course, there was other damage, you know, outside of that, but the most intense was right along one block. So it wasn't a wide tornado by any means, but just the the storms themselves were moving so fast, and then you combine that with a fast-moving tornado with those rotating winds, and, and there just was a, a lot of damage. Safety in your cattle operation is imperative to not only you, but your cattle as well. From front to back, from tube to chute, AeroQuip cattle chutes go through extensive testing to ensure reliability and safety. With an extremely user-friendly design, you're in for a smooth operation every time. AeroQuip cattle chutes are the safe equipment you can trust every step of the way. That's one benefit, but not all. For more information, see Sioux Nation in Fort Pierce, South Dakota. When we talk about uh, the winds, what kind of wind speed are we talking about and how does that compare with something, um, you know, hurricane, tornado, um, you know, kind of what are we looking at there, Kelly? We had reports uh, anywhere between 60 to over 100 miles an hour. We had weather stations, automated weather stations recording values, wind speeds, wind gusts over 100 miles per hour. Uh, That type when you start getting into that 100-plus mile-per-hour range, you're talking hurricane force winds, you know, Category 1 hurricanes, or the same thing, even just a straight line, 100-mile-per-hour wind. That's what you see in EF0 and EF1 tornadoes. Uh, the difference is it's not rotating, but the damage you get is, is very similar um, and very destructive. Well, let's talk about a, a second tornado as I, as I look at, the again, the preliminary information that uh, evaluation teams have come up with to this point. Uh, another tornado in the uh, Dual County, Gary, South Dakota area. This one, um, more out in the country. Uh, talk about the strength and intensity of that particular tornado. Yeah, that tornado uh, was about a mile south of Gary, South Dakota, and it, it only impacted one farm. Um, but it did severe damage um, 
to, to that particular, especially the house on that property, lost its entire roof as well as most of the exterior walls on the main floor of that house. Uh, and the damage path then extended a, a quarter to a half mile off into a field as it, it, it tracked north, northeastward in that area. So very significant. That one was the Castlewood tornado was rated in EF2. Um, the tornado south of Gary was also in EF2. So estimated wind speeds at 135 miles per hour with that particular tornado. Moving to uh, the next one again, uh, tornado number three, again, looking at the uh, preliminary recap information. This one in Coddington County, there were uh, quite a few pictures out of out of uh, Watertown, especially showing uh, some damage there. Uh, talk a little bit about that particular system. This tornado, it basically took the entire garage, attached garage to the house and just wiped it clear of the foundation, uh, did a lot of roof damage as well to the, the particular residents. And then we saw a lot of debris again tracked to the north northeast um, in in this this spot very short uh, path length it, it didn't last long it was very quick very brief but unfortunately it it touched down in in the wrong spot and it it did a lot of damage to someone's property. Tornado number four over uh, just across the border into uh, Traverse County, Minnesota. This one uh, uh, looking like about 100 mile per hour wind speeds. Where does that put it as far as intensity and and what kind of damage did we see there? That particular tornado was rated in EF1. Um, actually, a, a bit of a longer path. Once once these the storms kind of track north, we we transitioned a bit from the very quick, intense brief tornadoes to something that had a bit of a longer track, still moving very, very fast. Uh, But this particular location, we had um, several outbuildings, grain bins completely destroyed on the property. Um, A lot of debris that was that was vertically pushed into the grounds <laughs> uh, like I don't know you know you you hear it it's very stereotypical of tornadoes when you get debris pieces of wood uh, things that are just pierced through through other structures or pierced right into the ground and we saw a lot of that in this particular location and uh, tornado five also over there in the uh, Traverse County area. Uh, what happened there as far as damage? This particular one, again, we had outbuildings uh, and silos destroyed. This one in particular um, had some very characteristic features of tornadoes as well. We had uprooted trees, but the trees weren't just laid in the same direction. They, we actually saw trees that were, um, some were laying to the, the northeast and some were laid to the northwest. And so, uh, again, a good, strong indication of rotation at that particular location. Um, and a bit of a longer track on this one. It went, this one was estimated at about five miles for the track. And the next, just looking at the next one, then uh, Toonerville back into South Dakota, Dual County. Uh, this rating looking like uh, another EF1 uh, tornado that uh, part of that massive system. This was near Lake Alice in Dual County. Um, the closest town, of course, is Turnerville, which is where we reference to the nearest town. This particular location, um, we noted in actually in, in a corn stubble field, you could actually see where this leftover stubble from, from last season was laid down and you could kind of see the, the convergent or the pattern that it was all coming together um, at the start of that location. And then it did do damage to a lodge on the property, um, some pretty significant roof damage. 
But even more interesting is is it was able to lift up a camper uh, and completely flip it, not just tip it over on its side, but it lifted it up and laid it right down on its top. Uh, and there were some residents that were there, and luckily they were able to get out of the camper in, ta- in time so that they were not hurt. Um, this particular location, though, we're still investigating, and all, all of these instances we're still investigating. We do know of a pheasant farm just south of this location uh, that we may have to extend the, the track back to the south just a little bit um, as we investigate it further. And uh, tornado number seven there in the Day County, the Webster area, uh, that one also touching down kind of out in a rural area and and causing some damage there. Yes, again, um, mostly outbuilding damage at this particular location. We did rate that one in EF1 around 100 miles per hour as well. Very short path length, um, about a tenth of a mile, brief, quick. Uh, The the debris was carried off to the northwest, and there were several pieces of um, sheet metal and a calving shed and animal trailers that were were tossed and, and just... Uh, debris spread right in a, a neat path that is very indicative of, of tornado damage. And again, preliminary information. want to just reinforce this is preliminary information that we're talking about as far as uh, the evaluations on the uh, May 12, 2022 storm system that moved through uh, eastern South Dakota and, and parts of the northern plains. Uh, see, the tornadoes caused a couple of injuries, uh, but we had heard of uh, a couple of fatalities, but those didn't necessarily come from tornado damage. That had to do with uh, some pretty intense straight-line winds. Both of the unfortunate fatalities that occurred uh, were from, from straight-line wind. Um, trees that were that were falling and, and unfortunately caused loss of life in those cases. Further north um, in our area, the injuries luckily were non-life-threatening. Uh, they were treated by, by doctors, but um, they'll they'll recover with with no issues. And again, the primary difference between when we're talking about, you know, tornado with 100 mile an hour winds versus straight lined winds of 100 miles per hour, just again, kind of recap the difference of what we're talking about here, Kelly. You know, in both cases, and when we we were out doing these damage surveys, it could become very difficult to tell, you know, the areas of, of straight line wind damage and the areas of tornadic damage. There are certain indicators we look at, but to be quite honest, I mean, the damage was very severe in, in a widespread area. Um, and so when you think about the, there is a bit of a difference in way, the way that the, the debris tracks and the damage occurs from tornadoes. You get a bit more of an uplift and obviously a rotation that occurs. Um, but even a 100-mile-per-hour straight-line wind is going to do a significant amount of damage to property. And even winds that go around buildings, when you when you take a 100-mile-per-hour wind and as it flows around the building, it can actually change the pressure on the inside of your building. And that tends to cause a, a force on the roof. It tends to have an uplift on, on roofs of homes that, that fly off. And we saw a lot, a lot of of roof damage, a lot of grain bin damage when these winds came across. And so I I always tell people, you know, whether it's 100 miles per hour straight line or or 100 miles per hour tornadic winds, damage is damage and we need to shelter. When we think about these storms, we need to shelter the exact same way in both of these instances where really you should be in your basement and away from windows, uh, either during a straight line wind event or a tornadic event.
from a safety aspect from the National Weather Service, you know, when we start to see some skies turning some funky colors and, and some wind and things like that, what would we like to see uh, South Dakotans do? How are we supposed to react to uh, severe weather situations? We have started out so early with severe weather season this year. Uh, we ended we ended fall very late last year. Uh, in our parts of, of northeast South Dakota, we were issuing tornado warnings into October and the Sioux Falls area was issuing tornado warnings into December even. So we ended late and it's like we picked up right as soon as winter ends and we've been issuing tornado warnings since April um, already this season. So it's good for people to know that you should take the information seriously, be prepared, check the forecast information daily. We we are constantly pushing out um, the updates and what we are seeing. Know the forecast and then know, are you in a watch? Are you in a warning? And then take that information seriously and shelter um, if your area is within that warning. Uh, and and you, we know that there is a dangerous storm headed your direction. With Agriculture In-Depth brought to you by Sioux Nation in Fort Pier and by Kimball Livestock Exchange. I'm DRG Media Group News and Farm Director Jody Heemstra.